Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press, let's say press, towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray and ask God to give me utterance that what I speak will be what he wants me to speak. Father, we just thank you for your anointing this afternoon. Lord, we ask you to let this sanctuary, Lord God, be filled with your presence. Lord, let your spirit have liberty to touch, hallelujah, to deliver, to encourage, to edify, hallelujah. Lord God, we just can do nothing without you, Lord. We ask for your presence and anointing to break every chain, to move in this place, to touch hearts, hallelujah, to set at liberty them that are bound, hallelujah, to renew and to revive. Lord, we just lift up your name and we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering right now. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, don't be satisfied. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Don't be satisfied. Now, this book, Philippians, was written... The scholars say around AD 62, so it's about maybe 30-something years after Pentecost, 30-something years after Jesus was crucified, three decades that Paul had been preaching. The scholars tell us that he wrote Philippians from prison. You wouldn't know it, though, from his tone. He's so grateful and thankful. Amen. But he wrote Philippians from prison. It's A.D. 62, and the Emperor Nero is starting to persecute the church. And eventually he has Paul, by tradition, beheaded. So Paul is really near the very end of his ministry. And what I gather from this was that Paul was not satisfied. Now, it wasn't, he wasn't unhappy with his surroundings. He understood that. He wasn't... Uh, unhappy with his circumstance. It wasn't his circumstances that he wasn't satisfied with. Because I know that because he wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, and he put this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. You know what you have arrived when you can glory in tribulations. I have a little ways to go. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So he wasn't dissatisfied necessarily with the fact that he was in prison. In fact, he gloried in it because it was for the gospel's sake. Amen. He wasn't dissatisfied with the brethren. It wasn't that he was trying to pick and find fault with the brethren that I feel he was dissatisfied. That wasn't part of his uh, dissatisfaction. Because he wrote in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, most of us, we want to work out somebody else's salvation. Paul wasn't dissatisfied at this point with the Philippian church. He was quite pleased with them. But there was some dissatisfaction that Paul had. In fact, in Philippians 2.14, he says, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that he may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. 
See, he wasn't dissatisfied with his circumstance. He wasn't dissatisfied with his brethren at this point. But there was some dissatisfaction. You see, a lot of people are dissatisfied with the church. That's not what you should be dissatisfied with. Some people are dissatisfied with their neighbors. Some people are dissatisfied with their jobs. Paul had said, I've learned in whatever situation to find myself thereby to be content. So he wasn't dissatisfied with those things. But there was one thing he was dissatisfied with. And it's a surprising thing. It was dissatisfaction with himself. He had not arrived yet. You understand what he said? It's not as if I've arrived yet. I've still pressed towards the mark of the high calling. There's still more for me to get, even though I've been in this thing my whole life, 30 years. Although I started many churches, although I've seen the dead raised, although I've had many miracles, there's still more for me to get. I want you to know, don't be dissatisfied with the church. Be dissatisfied with where you are. We got to be dissatisfied with where we are. I'm not happy with where I am. I've told you before, my prayer is, Lord, change me. Make me better. Fulfill your will in my life. Sometimes we get so satisfied with ourselves. We start looking at other people. But in verse 5 of the same chapter of Philippians, he says, and this is in a modern translation, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He's recalling all the things he could boast about. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. This is in the New uh, Life Translation. A member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He was saying all the things he could have been satisfied with. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul could have boasted in himself, and yet he was not satisfied. He goes on in verse 7, he says, I once thought these things valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. He didn't value his education. He didn't think the fact that he had studied under the foremost teachers of that day, under Gamaliel, and probably today he would have been a doctor of the law. No, he didn't value that. He was still dissatisfied. Even though he had started churches, even though he had ministered, been on three missionary journeys, he was not satisfied with where he was. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Don't be satisfied with where you are. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. It's not my talents, not my good works, it's not my... Uh, Fasting, it's not my prayer, it's his grace. Uh, verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, this is the same apostle facing death, 30 years in the ministry, saying, I want to know Christ. He was not satisfied with where he was. You must not be satisfied with where you are today. There is more for you. There are gifts for you. There are manifestations for you. God wants to use you. But we fold our hands as soon as we get the Holy Ghost and we sit and we sing some songs and we take our ease. We get satisfied with ourselves, but we get dissatisfied with the preacher. We get dissatisfied with our fellow brethren, 
we get dissatisfied with our circumstance. No, that's not what you're supposed to be dissatisfied about. Rather, you need to be dissatisfied with ourselves. I'm not satisfied with me, I tell you that. I want God to change me. There's more that he can do with me. I have still a long way to go. Shall I prove to you Paul wasn't satisfied here in verse 12? He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He said, I am far from perfect, but I press to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. That should be our attitude. I'm not satisfied with me. I'm not satisfied just coming to church and sitting in the pew. I want to see some miracles. I want to see some deliverances. I want to see some healings. I want to see some souls saved. I want God to use me. I want to be the one to win some soul to Christ. Paul was not satisfied. If ever there was one who could be satisfied, he claimed he could have boasted. He'd had the surpassing great revelations. He'd seen blinded eyes open. He'd had the dead raised. But he was not satisfied. See, what Paul wanted most of all was to be found pleasing. That's what I want. To be found pleasing in God's sight. I want God to say to me as in Matthew 25, 21, he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, we get the one talent and as I've preached before, we sit on it. And we say, here Lord, I'm here. And we're so satisfied with ourselves. Bible says you've got to work out your own salvation. Unless you're an usher or the pastor, you should be minding your own business. Are you satisfied you're experiencing the maximum from God? Are you satisfied you're fulfilling your calling? Are you satisfied all the gifts are manifesting in your life? Until then, you better work out your own salvation. Here's what Paul says he's focused on. He wasn't focused on all these other things, and yet he was the apostle and bishop of all these churches. Here's what he says he's looking at. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press to, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So we need to stop being self-righteous. We need to stop pointing at other people. We need to point to ourselves, get our own house in order. See, God can fix the church. You need to fix you. Be dissatisfied with who you are. See, we walk into church and we're just like the Pharisee. I'm not like this publican here. He's got issues. <laughs> Tell you what, I got issues. I need your prayers. I need God's mercy. I need his grace. Because I'm far from perfect. I'm not satisfied. The one prayer I've prayed all my life is God change me. You know what I want? I want that Staples easy button. If it was that easy to say, Lord, just, just stop me from doing anywhere. I'd press that button in a heartbeat. If it was that easy. See, we get too satisfied with what we have Come to in Christ. We get filled with the Spirit and we think that's it. 
But it says these signs, plural, shall follow them that believe. Don't stop because you got filled. Keep going. Where is the manifestation? Where are the nine fruits of the Spirit? Where is gentleness? Where is joy? Where is peace? Where is long-suffering? We get too satisfied. And we get dissatisfied with others. See, this satisfaction with ourselves comes from one place. Pride. Pride. As I said, we go into the church and we say, we're not like this guy. He has issues. See, Jesus looked at, looked at the situation. He said, you see, this guy, he, 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 he's not going to be justified. Because he's all about himself. He's so happy with the fact that he comes to church, pays his tithes, and he can boast on this and that. But this guy who said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. He left more justified. See, if we're not careful about being dissatisfied with other people, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to bend down, as he did with that woman, and start writing something in the ground. John chapter 8, verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that he might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. And with his finger, start writing in the ground. I don't know what he wrote. You know what I think he wrote? I thought he wrote all their business. Because they all started to leave. Bible says their conscience starting to accuse them. Those of you who are in Sunday school at our anniversary, we, we heard a marvelous exposition of what happened, why Jesus fulfilled the law. Because when, when, when he got up under the law, you had to be convicted under what? Two or three witnesses. Yes, she was guilty, but there were no witnesses. Woman, where art thou thine accusers? None, Lord. Then he said this. He was the only one who had the right. He said, neither do I. But go thy way and what? Sin no more. God's grace is not an excuse to make you satisfied. I can sin. Preacher preached uh, about presumptuous sins. I think Brother Chris did. So listen, we've got to be dissatisfied because that's what motivates us to pray, to seek God, to get aligned with his will, to seek the manifestation of the power. You're going to need it. Times are going to get worse. Don't look for times to get better. Don't think it's going to get comfortable in this world. But as his coming nears, it's going to get more uncomfortable. You think, you think we're going to get away with, with no persecution? You think we're gonna, not going to have to decide whether we really mean this thing or not? You think it's just going to be a social club you come to on Sundays and hear some music? No, you better be dissatisfied with where you are right now. You need to understand God has got a plan for your life. You need to yield to him. You need to come to him in faith. You need to be a person of integrity. You need to come to him with truth. See, as I said in Sunday school, the reason why David got forgiven was not that he sinned any less than Saul, but he was humble. Now let me tell you what happens to a church that it gets too satisfied. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. It says, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, we, we're doing okay. All our bills are paid. We don't have any problems. The carpet was new. The, we got everything going. Because thou sayest I'm rich, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm, I'm a good tithe-paying member of the church. I have need of nothing. See, that's a satisfied church with a wrong attitude. And no, it's not 
that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God goes on to say, I counsel you to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. You got to go through some things. You got to get dissatisfied with where you are. You got to get dissatisfied with how you're living. You got to get dissatisfied with your worship. You got to get dissatisfied with your prayer life. You got to get dissatisfied with your communication with God. Paul said, it's not as if I have already achieved, but I'm still fighting every day. I have to press. I have to get up and I have to pray. I have to check myself. I have to make sure that I'm striving and being in alignment with God's will. Otherwise, you get like the Laodicean church. I've got everything going on. Paul could have boasted of all the people in the New Testament who could have boasted, wrote all these epistles, started all these churches, saw all these miracles was a Ph.D. in the law of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I count all of that. Well, in the King James, it says dumb. We'll use, the, we'll use just rubbish for today. You see, he understood that he shouldn't be satisfied with his heritage. I can't claim because my father was a pastor, I got anything on anyone. I have to pray and see God. I have to repent. I have to cry aloud. I have to come before his throne. Don't be satisfied. God has got more for each and every one of you. If you're satisfied, you need to change your attitude. God has got deliverance for you. God has got missionary work for you. God has got miracles for you. We need to have that power manifested in our church. We need to see the fruits of the Spirit manifest in each and every one of us. Until you do that, don't get satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Lord, change me. Lord, make me over. Lord, renew me. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, I'm just not here to tell you about changing, but I want to tell you how you can change. 2 Timothy 2.21 tells us, Paul's epistle to the young man, Timothy, told him how you can change from a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor, how you can start to make your way towards that goal that God has got for you. If a man, let's say, or woman, therefore, purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart, chosen, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not satisfied. Amen. I hope you mean it. I hope you mean it. We not to be satisfied with how we are. Paul says, I have not apprehended. I have not grabbed hold of it. After 30 years of ministry, I'm still not there, but I press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I'm focused slowly on Christ Jesus. He said in another scripture, that's all I want to know is Christ and him crucified. I don't want to know about your gossip. I don't want to know about your busybody. I want to know about Christ and him crucified. The only person who can be critical is Jesus. As I said, if you're not an usher or the pastor, look about your own salvation. See, we're not submitted enough to Christ. We think we're okay. We think we got it going on. But that's not what Christ is looking for. He's looking for humility. The Bible says he seeth the proud afar off. If you're too satisfied, it means you have some pride issues. That's why I don't like people telling anything good about me because, as Paul said, there is nothing good about me. 
Without Christ, I'm just filthy rags. Without Christ's salvation, I am nothing. I'm a nobody. That's what Paul said. He said he counts it all but dung. All of that stuff, all of his history, it's nothing because without Christ, we are nothing. In fact, we are, the Bible says we were children appointed to wrath. See, but in Philippians 3.30, it says, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, and here's the key, forgetting those things which are behind, whether you've achieved some greatness according to the world or not, is not going to be important. The only thing that's going to be important is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That's the only thing Jesus said you should rejoice for. Not that even demons are scared of you. Not that even miracles happen. But that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're sure of that, then you can be a little bit satisfied. Verse 4, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high call. Paul was not satisfied with himself. Think about that. He was not satisfied with himself. Let us all who are spiritually mature, verse 15, agree on these things. And this is in a modern translation. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold onto the progress we have already made. Don't start to go backwards. Just because you're not satisfied, don't give up either. That's not an excuse to give up. It makes it that you got to hold on to what you already have and take the next step. Just keep walking. This is a journey right now. We haven't reached the destination. We cannot be satisfied. Tell your neighbor again, I'm not satisfied. See, God has called us to a higher calling. He didn't just call you to sit on a bench. You're supposed to be kings and priests. Did you know that? A royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a, a chosen generation. And yet we come here and we stare at the preacher and we say, come on now, wow me. Entertain me. Hype me up. I said before, if the words don't move you, I'm not going to try. You need your own Holy Ghost. You need your own excitement. You need to get yet stir up the gift that's within you. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied. You, you leave here today and say, I'm not going to be satisfied. I want every single thing God has got for me. I want every single thing that God has got for me. I want to be aligned with his word. I want to be aligned with the direction he wants to take me. I don't want 50%. I want the whole thing. There's one place you can be selfish. And that is in what God has got for you. There's one place where you can want it all is with whatever God has got for your life. You grab hold of it. Paul said, I'm going to grab hold of everything. I don't want to be, be behind. I'm not going to let go of this thing because everything in my past, I count for nothing. If you could stand with me. Don't be satisfied. In fact, the truth is God has got more for you than you can even imagine. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You see, we need to have Elisha's attitude. He was promised that if he saw Elijah ascend, he would get a double portion. He wasn't going to settle for half or even the same. He told, I want double. 
Elijah told him, you know what you're asking for is pretty, pretty tall order. But he didn't want to back down. He wasn't satisfied with even just getting Elijah's blessing. He wanted twice as much. You can be greedy for God. Let me tell you that. You can be greedy for God. We need the, the attitude of Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went up to the Jordan. He's going to try this thing out. And he smote the waters and said, where is the God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted. He was going to make sure he got the double blessing, that he fulfilled the thing that he asked for. Shall I tell you the person you should be mad at is the devil. That's who you need to be mad at. Not your brother or your sister, because they got issues. But you should be mad at the devil for deceiving them. I tell you who I'm satisfied with. I'm satisfied with God's grace. I'm more than satisfied with his love. I'm grateful for his mercy. I love all that he has done for me. And I want more. I want God to change me and mold me and make me according to his image. And to transform us all into his image. So that when he comes, we shall be like him. For we shall what? See him as he is. Don't be satisfied. If you leave this Sunday, when you go home, you think about that. Lord, I want more. I, I know that you have promised gifts. I know that you have promised miracles. I know that you can use me. We need all the gifts in the church to be manifest. We need the fruit to be manifest. We need the kindness. We need the love. We need the long-suffering. We need the gentleness. We need the meekness. We need the peace. Where is all that stuff? It's because some of us are too satisfied comfortable, yes. We're like the Laodicean church. I'm increased and I'm rich and I have no need for anything. The rich man went to Jesus and said, everything I've done. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. One thing. Sometimes it's only one little thing that is keeping us from an explosion of blessing. Where God has just said, I just wish they would take the next step. I'm just about to open up the windows of heaven. I'm just about to use them. I'm just about to bless them. One thing, one thing. We're going to close this service. The altars are open if you want to pray. But I want you to take home this from this service. Don't be satisfied. If Paul wasn't satisfied, I surely can't be satisfied. I'm satisfied with God, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I need to grow. I need to get some more Holy Ghost. I need to mature some more. I need to see more fruit coming from me. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm just going to talk about me. I know what I need. And I'm not giving up on that. I want God to change me and make me into his image. Hallelujah. As I said, these altars are open. We're going to close this service. But I hope you will not go home and be satisfied. Make a pledge to yourself, Lord, I want everything you got for me. I want every blessing. You need to be like Esau. When he went before, before his father, uh, Isaac, he said, isn't there more blessing? He said, I'm sorry. Jacob got it all. You need to be like Jacob and get it all. Amen. You need to have the father pronounce all the blessing on you. Amen. Because there is more exceeding abundantly than we can even ask or that we can think.
This is what God wants us to know today. Don't be satisfied. Don't think you've got it. There's more for you to get. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today. Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Lord, help us, oh God, to continue to seek, to grasp, to look forward, to be focused. Hallelujah. On you alone, Lord God. Help us to blind out all the other things that want to come and distract us. Hallelujah. From your will and from your way, Lord. Lead us, oh God, this day in paths of righteousness, Lord God. Help us, oh God, to be fully aligned with your will, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask you to just touch this church. Let us be the Philadelphian church, not the Laodicean church, oh God, but to hunger and thirst after more of you, Lord God, for your righteousness, Lord God. Let it flow in this place. Lord, as we pray for those at the altar, Lord, I pray you do a miracle, Lord God, today, Lord Jesus. Open the windows of heaven, Lord, and pour out a blessing, Lord Jesus, as we hunger after your blessing, Lord God, not just financial, but spiritual, Lord God. Take us to another level. Let your gifts be manifest in this place. Hallelujah. We thank you right now, Jesus. Hallelujah, church. If you could pray with me as I pray for those at the altar.